We know you're busy. Bills to pay, mouths to feed, and the man needs another favor. So just in case you missed what happened on the fan today, we got your back. And even if you did hear it live, you probably need to hear it again. Here you go, all in one place and in just one hour. The best of the best from today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Instant Replay. This afternoon on Query and Company. NFL Combine coverage again on a Friday. Jake Query along with Jimmy Cook. We're at the Indiana Convention Center. Joining us now, a guy that needs really no introduction when he walks around. He's with ESPN and, of course, a vast executive career in the NFL, notably with the Miami Dolphins from 2015 to 2018 and the pride of the UMass Minutemen. Mike Tannenbaum joins us here on the program. Mike, first off, thanks for joining us. Welcome to Indianapolis. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, let's begin with this. You know, when you hear now, because the buzz today is the fact, of course, a lot of interest here with Marvin Harrison Jr., even though the Colts are probably not in the slot for him, but for the obvious reasons. But Marvin Harrison Jr. not really coming and doing the things that we're used to in the combine. We're seeing more of that now. Is that of concern to teams, or is that becoming the norm where it's really the pro day that people focus on? Yeah, well, I think the context of that is Marvin Harrison can get away with it. It's not going to impact his economic remuneration, whereas, like, other people it would. So I think, like, they're the more notable players, but I think, by and large, a lot of them know competing here is good for them and will give them a benefit of the doubt. I talk to a lot of players in this process, and I always tell them that, like, you want to be a a whenever whatever guy like you want me to you know throw in the cold in the parking lot let's go you want me to run a 40 you know in the backyard let's go like those are what people are looking for because you know coach belichick always drilled it in our heads in any draft means the two things that when you go from college pro you're gonna have more time and more money and how are you gonna react to those two things and i'm curious of this from you know there's so much that goes into the scouting what is the hardest thing to be able to determine about a player even after this process. Yeah, it's exactly that. You know, like, true character in life is how you treat people that can't help you. And you want to fill your locker room with selfless people that care deeply about one another and let other people get credit. And when you give them a lot of money, whatever their character is, good or bad, is going to come out even more so. So that, to me, is like, it's the intangibles. We could all watch the tape, but how are they going to transition into the next level is always the most important thing. Mike Tannenbaum is our guest. Mike, we know mocks are just tools, but a lot of mock drafts have the Colts at 15 and Brock Bowers falling to him. Do you believe that a player of his caliber could fall that late in the draft? And how do you see him as a prospect as a whole? Yeah, I love him. I think he's a great mismatch. Put him in the slot. He'll be hard. You know, like he goes down the slot and you put a nickel on him. You run the ball. You put a linebacker on him. You throw the ball. Like he will create a lot of mismatches. He could be there, not because he's not a good player, but you're seeing like, you know, Dallas Turner just ran faster than Jalen Hurts. They had that, you know, great (laughs) graphic on. Um, You know, I think quarterbacks will certainly impact that you know I, I could see four maybe even five going before the Colts pick so those things will actually push be it Brock Bowers or some other good player you know down Mike Tannenbaum ESPN analyst is our guest here at the combine Mike I've asked this question a, a lot and we've been talking about it this week but I want to get your perspective the position that has the hardest ability to get a read on how it's going to translate from college to the pro game that's not quarterback yeah. is what? Yeah, the obvious one would be quarterback. You know, after that, like, you know, you, you, like tight end, for example, just going that, like that, Brock Bowers is just physically bigger than a lot of guys he's playing against in the SEC, even at, at the SEC level. But, you know, take Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore is a really good player. Like, Kenny Moore matched up against Brock Bowers is a lot different 
you know, than what he's dealt with. And then, like, to me, the other one is, is the linebacker position because, you know, in college it's such a space game. And, you know, by and large you could be 225, 230 pounds. But, look, you're playing the 49ers. Like, they're going to run the ball. You know, like, you're seeing some teams, like, that they will run the ball to varying degrees. And, like, the linebacker still has to be able to fit up in the hole, take on blocks, you know, disengage and shed. And those are things they don't have to do a lot of anymore in college. In your opinion, is Indianapolis closer than we think, or do they have a lot of holes that still need to be filled? No, I think they're closer. And here's why I was screaming from the mountaintops that Anthony Richardson shouldn't play a year ago because you want that to be a 10-year decision, not a 10-month decision. And for all the wrong reasons, you never want to see a player get hurt. The fact that he was able to redshirt for a year, like, look how it turned out for Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's going to be Mahomes, but Chad Pennington sat for us at the Jets for two years. I've just seen it over and over again. Let them learn, you know, in the NFL. So, to me, um, I think his future is limitless, and I love the fact that he sat for you. Have we seen enough of Richardson at this point to understand the body of work and make a decision about whether he's the guy? No, but I, I'm really encouraged. There's just not a lot of people on the planet that are built that way, and you know they could have a real difference maker, and you need that to compete in the AFC. Why does every general manager say post-draft that the board fell exactly how we wanted it to? <laughs> and has there ever been a moment in your career where you've said that where it wasn't really the case? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Well, we, Quentin Copels was a guy that, you know, we liked at the Jets, but we thought for sure we were going to get Bruce Irvin. And um, Seattle took him two spots ahead of us, and, and it was catastrophic. But, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I think everybody has a story like that. We are here at the NFL Draft. Mike Tannenbaum is our guest. I want to get back to Indianapolis, and, and Bowers in particular seems to be the guy that we are all talking about. What other glaring needs does Indianapolis have that 15 could be a spot that they can get a good player at? Yeah, like for me, it's corner. Like you want to get like another frontline difference-making corner, and someone will be there. Kool-Aid McKistry, Quinion Mitchell, like somebody will be there for them. And I know, you know, in Gus Bradley's defense, you're like you're going to rush four and you're going to play a lot of zone. But to me, like you still want to have a frontline man-to-man corner outside the numbers. Um, and to me, they'll, they'll be a great corner there. Mike Tannenbaum is our guest. Mike, this wide receiver class is viewed as incredibly deep. Where, where do you see the most value in terms of that late first round or early second? Brian Thomas. You know, he's T. Higgins to me. He's 6'4". He could run. You know, so, like, to me, like, there and, – and that could impact whether or not Indy tags Michael Pittman. Pippen's a great player, but if you could get, you know, let's say Brian Thomas, and now we could take that resources and plow it into our offensive line, or, you know, again, something on defense, like that's something that I'm sure Chris Ballard going to take a long look at. Doesn't it feel like the Colts still need one more open space guy? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody does, I guess, yeah, right? Sure. But, but the Colts, you know, I, I think of Pittman, Mike, as a possession is selling him short because he is a dynamic player yep. but he's not necessarily the yards after catch guy i think that we see with the burn speed of other guys right does this draft have those guys that could be available even into round two uh yeah absolutely like malachi corley comes to mind like he's a great like run after catch guy like the way you described it so um the one thing about michael Pittman, like michael evans he scores points you know like so there's always going to be a premium for those guys but that's why I would take, to your point, I would take Malik Neighbors over Marvin Harrison because of the expl- – I think Marvin Harrison's Larry Fitzgerald. I think Malik Neighbors is like Tyreek Hill, and that's why I would give him, you know, the uh, the slight edge there. Were you at UMass when John Calipari got there? Uh, yes, I, I was. Were you at UMass when Tony Barbie, North Central Star, got there, or was that after you? Yeah, no, he was there at the same time, yeah. I remember when Tony Barbie committed in high school, and we're like, John Calipari, UMass, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now all of a sudden you can tell people proudly you were at UMass back in the birth, right? I, I call uh, UMass. 
podcast, The Dream Academy. It allowed me to pursue my dreams. And there was a wonderful woman. She's still there to this day, a woman named Lisa Master Alexis. And uh, she believed in me and gave me, like, real hopes that, hey, I could do this one day. And uh, I do a lot with the program because uh, she impacted my life so much. Well, I'll tell you what. We appreciate it and certainly enjoy Indianapolis while you're here. All right. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Mike Mike. Tannenbaum, ESPN, and, of course, NFL executive. Dolphins 2015 to 2018. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. This is Instant Replay. Earlier this afternoon on The Ride with JMV. Tonight's semifinal Friday night, and to talk more about that around the state of Indiana and certainly around the area, from the Indy Star, friend of the show, Kyle Nedenrip joins us now. Hello, Kyle. How are you? Hey, doing well, John. How are you doing? I'm assuming you're going to Noblesville tonight. Do you already have your ticket, if so? Yeah, I hope so. I uh, double-checked, triple-checked, and I think I'm good to go, and I guess we'll find out here when I uh, – when I get there, but uh, I'm hope I'm hoping I've got a good seat and uh, I'm able to see a couple of great games tonight. Is this the uh, is this like a fire marshal type of game tonight? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think the second game on uh, Tuesday was sort of a fire marshal game too. So I, I think they'll <laughs> I think there's been a few of those over the years, and I, uh, certainly tonight qualifies when you got one, two, and three all playing at uh, one location. Yeah, and by the way, Hamilton Southeastern's not a member of that group, but still pretty good in its own right in that game two against Fishers later on tonight. But Westfield Noblesville, uh, what do you like about the matchup? Well, I covered the first time they played each other, and Westfield beat them, uh, beat Noblesville on their home court. So they obviously have experience and have success uh, doing that. Doing that. So, but I, I, you know, I really like this Noblesville team. I, I like both teams, honestly. But this Noblesville team is, you know, veteran team. Aaron Fine, uh, their point guard. It seems like one of those guys who's been around for a long, long time. And then they've got some other guys, you know, Hunter Walston, another senior, uh, Justin Curry, who's a sophomore coming up, and a young man, Baron Walker, who's been playing really well as a sophomore for him. So, you know, the matchup, I think, will, you know, the last game Noblesville played them, you know, they had a, they had trouble scoring inside, and a big reason for that is Nick Book, who plays the uh, interior for Westfield, had a really good game. And then, uh, of course, Trey Buchanan, also a really good player for Westfield at the guard spot. So, Probably what stands out is those, you know, those two guards, Fine Buchanan, uh, you know, and then where are they going to get production elsewhere? I, I would say, and how, how does how does Noblesville score inside? I think is a big uh, key to this game. Can they do that better than they did last time? And you know, it's it's uh, it'll be a it'll be a possession game. I think it's it's going to be into the fourth quarter, and you know that it'll come down to kind of whoever uh, you know performs under in the clutch in, in that situation. So it, it's just, it'll be fun. I can't imagine that game will go uh, more than you know. I don't think it'll be decided by you know ten, twelve points. I think it'll be you know three, four, right down to the wire, and I wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, all right, so is uh, I know the Buchanan kid, is he a hell of a lot better than his dad? Because that's what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. And, you know, his, his toughness, you know, two years ago, you know, Westfield, uh, you know, Braden Smith kind of blazed a trail uh, like Wyatt Earp through this sectional. And, and, you know, Trey was part of that team. And he, he did a, you know, he played a role on that team. And, you know, he's a tough kid too. A uh, really tough competitor, you know, played – played injured, you know, some in last year's sectional and you know, he's just a, he's a tough dude. I think he takes after Braden some that way and and uh you know, Westfield is now kind of, 
you know, and with with Buchanan, obviously, and Book, and and Will Harvey, you know, the great golfer actually uh, has been playing well for them too. But you know, they kind of they kind of uh, I think have something established over time now, which is something they didn't have, you know, a few years ago. They had no no sectional titles in their history, and they finally got that one two years ago. And and Buchanan was part of that. You know, he, he's he's done a great job for that team, and and uh, he's been on a winning team, and and so is Noblesville. To be honest with you, they. They have history of winning it last year, and and those guys all uh, were part of that. Who were key parts of this year's team. So you have two teams, I think. In you know, and speaking of Buchanan and 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 Fine, you know, teams that have recent tournament success, which you know sometimes you have one and the other team doesn't. I, both these teams have that, so I think that'll you know kind of cancel each other out. Which uh, so again, it kind of you know to me this is it, it'll just come down to uh, you know who kind of gets it done late. In he the is. Fourth quarter. Here's Kyle Neddenrip of the Star. He'll be at Noblesville along with the Fire Marshal later on tonight. Of course, <laughs> other sectionals here uh, around central Indiana, around Marion County, uh, certainly in Hancock County, Greenfield sectional. Pendleton Knights and New Pal, game one. Uh, Muncie Central and Greenfield Central, among the most impressive teams throughout the course of the regular season. I'm assuming in whatever class we're talking about, Greenfield Central has been unbeaten and at the top of that list. Yeah, they've really been a team that you know. I don't even think Luke Meredith, if you, if you asked him, the the Greenfield Central coach, you know, I don't think they expected to be undefeated. You know, probably nobody does. And they they lost some real key pieces from last year's team, including Dylan Moles, who's a great player for him. And you know, it's been a year where you know they they've just kind of gained confidence throughout the season. I, I covered a game earlier this year where they beat uh, Pendleton Heights and. Uh, in double overtime and Mullins went for 50 in that game and, and, uh, you know, played phenomenal, uh, you know, in, in that win, they in a last second shot to win it. So I, you know, they're, they're a team that's kind of, they seem like sort of a, a team on a magic carpet ride here. And, you know, I think, uh, both them and new pal, probably the favorites to get through tonight. Uh, although that's a tough sectional and those will both be tough games tonight. Uh, but yeah, I think all of Hancock County will be there. You know, if those two teams play each other, you'll have, you know, Julius Gizzi and and Braylon Mullins, two of the top juniors uh, in the state, two of the top scorers for sure, uh, going against each other head to head. That that would be a phenomenal game. But again, you know, weird things seem to happen on this this Friday night semifinal sectional, and uh, you know, it's it's a it's a night where, you know, what do we have? Well, my math is not very good. It's two fifty six playing tonight, so what? One hundred and twenty eight teams will be eliminated tonight. So it's it's a big. Uh, you know, it's it's a big cross off the list type of night, and you don't want to be on that side of things. So, you know, but we'll see some weird games. We'll see some upsets. You know, we'll see some teams go down we thought would advance. And and uh, like I said, Greenfield's been that team that hasn't been on that side at all this year, and and I would expect them to get through. But you know, they they've got some work cut out against a Muncie Central team that that already pulled an upset over Richmond a couple nights ago. Yeah, they're, they're a lot. You look around, and they're just. Uh, I give you a great example uh, up in Lebanon. Not a great matchup if you look at it on paper with Crawfordsville, but you know, Danville has had, had such a good season at nineteen and three, and then you know, Tri West on the other side at eighteen and six, and Lebanon at nine and fourteen. You look at both Danville and Tri West as you know two teams having incredibly strong regular seasons. Absolutely, and those two teams uh, covered one of their games earlier this year, and you know Danville got the better of that one. Then they beat Tri West again a couple of weeks later, but. You know, the difference, you know, when I covered those teams, it didn't feel like the difference was much, you know. So Danville been ranked number one uh, for a lot of this year. They're not, they, they fell a little bit uh, with a couple late losses to 4A teams. But, 
you know, you know, Brian Barber always, those teams are always really tough, uh, you know, physically and mentally uh, for Danville. But having to beat a team like that, I mean, I know it's cliche, you know, to beat a team three times, but especially one that's your own rival, you know, kind of in your own backyard there in Hendricks County and, and a team that's, that's, you know, pretty talented in its own right. So, you know, that, that, I think we'll probably see that game played tomorrow night uh, unless Lebanon and Crawford's will have something to say about it. But, you know, that, that would be a really tough test for Danville. But it's also a Danville team. I think if they can get through, you know, they could be a, a problem for a lot of teams moving forward. You know, Evan Lawrence, their, their big man inside going to IU to play football. He's a, he's a tough dude. He's a, he's a basketball guy first who kind of uh, his size and athleticism ended up getting him a football scholarship, but, you know, last ride for him and, and a, and a really good group around him. So, you know, I think that's a team to uh, keep an eye on, but yeah, very tough test with Tri West. The final thing too, and I bring this up because I'm a longtime friend and obviously big fan of Mark Barnheiser and you're number 40 at Lafayette, Jeff, 13 and nine. You kind of look at it that way. They get 23 and three Kokomo, it is their host sectional, so they get this on their home hardwood. And I, I don't think it was close earlier this season in their meeting in the regular season. Is there there's something in that semifinal with Jeff and Kokomo tonight, you think? That's probably their toughest test uh, Kokomo would have, I think. Harrison uh, gave them a little bit of a – they came back and they shot a whole bunch of threes, I know, against Kokomo the other night and came up a little bit short. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it'd be a pretty tough task. I haven't haven't seen Lafayette Jeff in person this season, uh, but I've seen Kokomo a few times, and and even even besides uh, Flory Badunga, you know Carson Rogers is a six foot six senior who's I think probably played his way into the Indian All Star uh, conversation, if not on the team uh, entirely, uh, with the season he's had. He, he even leads uh, Kokomo in scoring just by a shade over over Flory. So. Yeah, I think that'll be a really tough task. There aren't, you know, just Kokomo's a different team uh, just because of the size that they have. I mean, there aren't there aren't, aren't any teams out there that I've seen that have two, you know, two guys that they can go to like that, and then you know have some some pretty good guards uh, as well who are some are a little bit younger, and then you know maybe a little bit inconsistent at times. But I feel like that Kokomo team is is maybe playing the best that they've played all year uh, right now. And, and, you know, they would play, you know, looking ahead, they, they would play if they can win that uh, sectional, the winner of the uh, the Noblesville sectional. So you could have, you know, Fishers against Kokomo in the regional uh, next week. So that, that would be a really uh, interesting game there. Uh, so whoever comes out of that, you know, whoever comes out of that Noblesville sectional basically uh, would play Kokomo. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to, but uh, we still got, a couple nights to go before we uh, get to that round. If you're in that Noblesville sold-out gym tonight, approach Kyle Nedenrip and say, we heard you on JMV's show a little bit earlier today. <laughs> make sure that uh, – just to make sure that he's in there tonight because the place is sold out and going to be packed. Kyle Nedenrip of the Stars, some updates on these sectional semifinals on this Friday night on the Andy Moore Automotive Crew Potline. It's always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll catch up next week prior to the regionals too. Absolutely. Feel, feel free to reach out. I appreciate it, John. You got it. Kyle Neddenripper, the star. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. This is Instant Replay. Earlier this afternoon on The Ride with JMV. 
IU's on the road at Maryland. And joining us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Podline is the voice of the Hoosiers. He's friend of this show. It is Don Fisher. Hello, Don. How are you? Good, John. How you doing, bud? When are you leaving tomorrow? Uh, sometime mid-afternoon. So you got to head down to Bloomington sometime tomorrow. You'll get there because you drive so damn fast in about 37 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the airport takes a, a touch longer than that just because it it's out there in the west side of the community, if you if you know what I mean. It, um, it, it, they try to make you, when you go to the Monroe County Airport, they try to make you go to Greene County. They do. <laughs> if, you, if you keep going down 45, you'll eventually get to Greene County. Exactly. So they, they try to get you to go out there, but uh, yeah, the Monroe County Airport is the the spot. Hey, I don't want to start talking about Tuesday night a little bit, though. That, that, to me, we've talked about playing hard, consistently playing hard. We've talked about being focused, consistently being focused. Uh, you might have another game in mind. To me, that was the best at home against Wisconsin. That's the best we've seen out of this IU team from start to finish, especially including the fire alarm situation. <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about that. Indiana did have a 15-point lead in the first half uh, with about six and a, a little over six minutes to go in the half. Uh, kind of let that slip a little bit by halftime. It was down to five. And then uh, slowly, Wisconsin started coming back in the second half. And by the time they got to the, to the fire alarm problem, uh, the game was tied at 54-all with 10 minutes and six seconds left. So, from that point forward, though, this team hung in there. Uh, they battled. Uh, it kind of changed hands a couple of times as we went along there at the end. And yet this ball club was able to find a way to get it done, which was really good to see because we haven't seen that a lot here of late. And without question, it was a huge win for the ball club. And it got a little bit of that confidence back we've been talking about that they've been lacking. Yeah, Don, it, that was a variety of situations you just mentioned. That team in the past, we had seen them wilt under circumstances like that. Even the one that is, is so odd because Greg Gard was upset. And really, you know, anybody is on the other side of that if you're on the road and that happens and you're making a run, you're going to be upset and you're going to complain about it. But yeah, I felt at the time, Don, that could equally affect IU where they are concerned considering the lead that they gave up. But I, I thought in terms of punching and counter-punching, they gave IU fans all you could ask for and all you could want after that fire alarm. No question. Uh, I, there's no doubt about it. And and I understand why Greg would be upset. And, yeah. You know, if you were in the same position, you would be too. But that's it, it's not anybody's fault other than the fact that somebody did pull the fire alarm and for whatever reason, they had to evacuate the facility. And next thing you know, uh, they start pouring everybody back in. It didn't last as long as I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be probably a 25 or 30 minute type of delay, but it actually, I think turned out to be about 15 minutes in total. Um, And we never really went off the air. We were about ready to send it back to the studios uh, back at Learfield uh, to play part of the coaches show because there wasn't anything else we could talk about at that point. And we were thought, thinking that they were going to evacuate us as well. But that never really occurred. And by the time, uh, uh, you know, by the time the two teams came out to start warming up again, we had still been on the air at that juncture and didn't have to send it back to Jeff City. So <laughs> it was uh, the way it happened, though, I understand why Greg would be upset at the same time. Uh, I, whether it helped Indiana or not, nobody could really know. 
But the good news is Indiana never stopped fighting, and the intensity level with which they played in this ball game at both ends of the floor was the best we've seen in weeks. So is the protocol, by the way, uh, with the evacuation of a fire alarm, are, are you just screwed, Don, as a broadcaster? You just got to stay in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, if if there would have been a really severe, uh, if there would have been a severe issue and smoke would have been pouring out, I would have gotten up out of my chair and left myself. Uh, I would have told the boys in Jeff City to fend for themselves. <laughs> Did you exhaust all your content during that time? Pretty much. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the, the thing about it was that we didn't really know yeah. why we never heard. Uh, until later on. And the reason we hadn't heard, and I didn't know this, but when a fire alarm goes off in assembly hall, it shuts down the PA system. And and, and all we would hear about every, probably every minute was the alarm going off again. And so when they started evacuating people, of course, and, and there were people up above who were evacuating much sooner than the people down below because they just, you couldn't, you didn't hear it. You heard it up above, but you didn't hear it down below initially. And then you started hearing it down below. And obviously, everybody's getting out of their seats and they're heading for the exits, which is what they're supposed to do. And I thought they did a magnificent job of getting the people out of there so fast. It was amazing and orderly. And uh, so that's the good news uh, from, <laughs> from from the standpoint of what what took place. But but the truth of the matter is they were able to get people back in there fairly quickly, too. So, um, I, you know, I was proud of what the Indiana, uh, you know, the people, the ushers and, and the police and everybody that was yeah. involved in this whole thing, how they handled it. Well, I will say this, too. But so many of those those ushers and those first responders, they, they're a part of that every single game, too. And yep. it's it really is a, a good group that rarely gets any recognition. But in a moment like that, they certainly should. Because, again, they've been doing that for such a long time. They're well-versed in any circumstance and that's one that was a true curveball. No question. <laughs> it was definitely a curveball, but handled quite well by, by the university and by everybody involved. And, uh, you know, when we finally found out, uh, you know, what the deal was, they already started filing some people back in, and it just didn't take very long to get everybody back in there. In. And, again, there's always some people who go out and, you know, some of the elderly, you know, that probably said that no, we're going home at this yeah. point, we're not coming back in. But most everybody came back in and especially, especially the student. And the, the one negative for the students was they could all get back in there. And the ones that were at the end of the line, which would have been probably the people in the front row. Some of those people didn't get back to their same seats, so they were probably a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. those students could take, you know, it's first come, first serve for the students. So it, it was a smoke alarm in the uh, connecting hallway between Cook Hall and Assembly Hall. Is that what I heard? I, I thought it was in the balcony. I was, was told it? that it was in the balcony. Yes, that's where the alarm was pulled. So I don't know if it was in the actual balcony itself or if it was just in that in those hallways outside the balcony. Don, how many times have you been in the balcony there? Uh, I've been there twice. I've been there uh, once, and it was like the worst experience of my life. <laughs> well, I, trust me, I never saw a whole game. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I actually snuck in the building. <laughs>
And I was looking at watching a practice session that I wasn't supposed to. Be. <laughs> wait, but you, you, wait, wait, we got to know the background on this. So, what you snuck into the building watching a practice session you were not supposed to? Elaborate, no, please. I didn't, I, did, I didn't. I didn't sneak into the building itself. I snuck into the balcony ah. because the curtains were all closed, and it wasn't Indiana practice, so I wasn't trying to spy on some other team. As you know, I've said many times, I'm not. I'm not a coach, and I'm not an X and O guy. Right. I just know what. I see. Uh, so, at any rate, I was just, and I wanted to see this practice. I can't remember exactly what all the details of it were. Other, this is like. This would have been 30 years ago. So, No, you got that right on top of your head right there. You got it. Yeah, yeah. So at any rate, long story short, um, I snuck into the and watched about five minutes of the practice session, and nothing was happening, so I got out. <laughs> I um, This is a, a true story. When I, I worked for, and, and you know this uh, broadcasting outlet, h- historically, uh, artistic media partners when I was working down there in Bloomington um, they, they so graciously set me up in the old field house um, it was like a, a bunch of parties and such leading up to a game and I was in a dunk tank for artistic media partners and you know how much I was getting paid for that nothing <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, with, with, with you know, the RIP to Art Gotti, man I mean he was going to wiggle free of paying you a cent for anything and that certainly was not going to be anything worthy of being compensated and that's really that is that's hilarious because Art and Gotti and I loved Art I yes. mean he was such a good guy in so many ways but he was he was really chintzy oh well he's yeah <laughs> that's the nicest thing you could say and Every time we had a contract, and we had two contract negotiations, my first year there, I basically had to. I basically said, "All right, if you want me to get an attorney, I will." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "No, we don't need to do that." And finally, we got it all taken care of. Well, I wasn't even asking for a raise; I was just asking for what I got the year before. He was trying, <laughs> he was trying to get me down to like a thousand dollars less than what I made the year before. That and is, I said, "That ain't gonna work." That is not gonna work. <laughs> I, the last time I saw him was at a Pacer game, and he he and Artie, and I like Artie too. Uh, his yep. son, they walked up to me at a Pacer game, and, and Donnie goes, you know, with his voice, he goes, hey, hey, Gliva, I, I hear you're making fun of me on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> no, Art, Art was a, he was yeah. a wonderful guy in yeah. so many ways, and Judy, as a secretary, was the best ever. Uh, loved her to death, but, but we spent, I spent two years in his offices uh, when University Broadcasting actually had the broadcast rights for the first year, and then he allowed me to use his office space uh, up there in his studio or up there in his offices himself, and he allowed me to, <laughs> to have a desk up there. And uh, Judy and I got to talk every day and art uh, occasionally because he was <laughs> either gone or or doing something else. So, but but he was a great guy, and and I really enjoyed working for him. At the same time. Every negotiation yes. we had, it took forever to get it done. Yeah, there's a reason why he made a lot of money in that that business is because he was exactly he was a shrewd negotiator uh, to to say the least. Yes, he was. I will tell yes, you this: Rick Evans, who also I think works for IMS and production. Rick Evans is a longtime yes. friend and has worked for artistic media partners. I, I think forever. I don't know how many years it goes back. He needs like a golden lifetime achievement award at some point 
<laughs> like some big some big trophy made of solid gold saying, holy hell, how did you do this? Yes, well, I guarantee you anybody that has worked that long for that organization would say exactly the same thing. And Rick, Rick Evans is yes. one of the nicest yep. human beings you would ever run into. I've never seen him mad. I've never, I mean, I know he gets mad occasionally, but I've never seen him mad. And uh, he handles everything with such a plum. It's just amazing. And uh, he does a tremendous job for the IMS, uh, you know, the Indianapolis Sports mm-hmm. Speedway Network and, and what they do all year round with their racing and all that kind of stuff. And then he does the morning shows for Artistic Media and for WHCC, which is the radio station that's our affiliate in Bloomington. Uh, he does the morning show, and I'm on his Monday morning show all during football and basketball season, like I am with you during yep. uh, football and basketball with your show as well. But uh, and Rick is just spectacular, and yes. and he's done a couple of our talk shows this year too. But he had to sub in for uh, one of our engineers that uh, couldn't make it. So at any rate, uh, just a wonderful person, and obviously has ran that radio station for many moons now, and does a tremendous job. He um he is one of the all time greatest because he, he is perfect. He does everything. If you need yeah. him for anything, he can do it, and he's always been called upon in that capacity. There is nobody. You know this too. Like I I can do this one thing, and if it's anything technical, I'm screwed. He knows how to do everything. I mean, everything that needs to keep you on the air or you know, keep a show going or keep a station going. And that is such an incredible high value. They have been lucky to have him all these years. Oh, there's no question about it. And uh, I, I guarantee you they know how lucky they are to have him, too, because he's done a phenomenal job in every capacity that he's had there. And I think he's had every capacity that there is to have. <laughs> yes, <too>. yes. <laughs> well, I was supposed to go um, – uh, Joe Koppel, who works here, and I worked at B97 together. Well, he and, and then John Callahan, who was a longtime B97 guy, uh, right. they went and had breakfast at Uptown on Wednesday. I was supposed to go, but get, get this. So I had to go get my credential before noon to go to the Combine, and I was supposed to talk to Shane Steichen and, and Ian Rappaport, the reason why I was there. Steichen got sick and didn't make it, and Rappaport just basically walked out on me. So that was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> what pull power you have, big boy. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I said, you just walked right out the door. I go, hey, where are you going? So all I've done all week is cuss the combine. That's it. I thought, I'm not going back. <laughs> I don't blame you. I, I'm not sure I want to see that anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you, you know, and what you're thinking is exactly right. I will say this. For fans, if you want to go, for example, later on tonight and, you know, be a part of what they do, that is fun. Josh Downs of the Colts will be down there. That stuff is worth it for what I do in the time in the afternoon when basically there's nobody in there. It's not worth it. So that's yeah. that's the yeah. difference there. For the fans, it is worth it, and I can understand why it's fun. Sure, sure, absolutely. But, but, but for broadcast, no. it's not so much. He just walked right out. And, you know, and I go back to the days where Adam Schefter and I got into it a couple of different times at the Combine, and it's never – it hasn't done my career a great deal of good ever. 
<laughs> well, there are several things that uh, yes. haunt all of us, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. So that's that's certainly one of them. Hey, on the road coming up on Sunday at two o'clock in Maryland, Hoosiers able to to follow up what I thought was an impressive win over Wisconsin, and and maybe have a more consistent overall effort on the road in Maryland Sunday. Well, that's what it's going to take. There's no question. Uh, Indiana's next two games are on the road at Mar- at Maryland, at Minnesota. Both of those teams have been victories this year when they played them at home. Uh, but both could be defeats if they don't play up to their capability. If they play like they did against Wisconsin this past week, they will win both those ball games because they have the better team, in my opinion. But obviously, this ball club has been very inconsistent. We talked about this at nauseum this year. Um, Xavier Johnson came back this last ball game, wasn't particularly effective, but I think just his presence helped. And his he's always better at the defensive end, I think, than he is at the offensive end because he gives you a guy that's quick enough, athletic enough to stay with the quickest guy in their ball club, which gives you an advantage in some respects, at least at the defensive end of the floor. And, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he bounced back after the Nebraska game, which was uh, back on January the 3rd, after sitting out a month and played horribly in that ball game. And the next game out against Ohio State, he played tremendous. He played, his, I think, his best game of the season, scored 18 points, uh, dished out assists, didn't turn the ball over. Um, and hopefully that's what's going to happen in this next ball game because he'll have a game under his belt now as he comes back against Maryland after the Wisconsin. Yeah. And where incredibly impressive to say the least. And we need to talk about that double, double. Certainly. I just, I I thought, and he mentioned this after the game too, that you guys got him the ball in comfortable positions to score. And it was, it was a give or take there because he was, he was scoring at a high volume and doing, you know, what you, you expect him to do, but teammates were putting him in that position. Well, he had 20 points in the first half of the ball game, and then the second half, he kind of disappeared for a while. They didn't get the ball to him nearly as much as I thought they would. you got to ride that horse as long mm. as he's standing up. Right. Uh, and, and obviously, uh, the start of the second half, that's part of the reason I thought Wisconsin was able to get back in the ball game because they just weren't getting the ball to him as much as they did in the first half. Now, some of that might have been because of Wisconsin and the defense that they were playing at that point uh, that they got better at. But uh, he was such a tremendous uh, player in this contest. He had 27 points, 11 rebounds. That's his 12th double-double of the year. And, you know, for all we heard about, uh, you know, how he was not the guy when he was at Oregon and all that kind of stuff and how he didn't work hard and, and didn't play hard and all that kind of thing, can't say that about him this year. He has been one of their staples so far this season. So, Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, you going to our table tonight? Uh, probably not. Uh, not this evening. No. All right. Hey, QC Kinetics, we doing that still? Yeah, well, I, I've just done it the one time, and I've got to go back next Friday. That's my next appointment, and uh, things are going well at this juncture. Uh, those people have done a terrific job, I know, and for a lot of different people. Yes. And I've had more people come up to tell me that uh, they've, they've experienced that. And so I, I'm excited about it. I really am. And, and the knee is still not where it needs to be, but it's getting better. You're going to be playing golf until you're like 109 That'd be that'd be uh, probably. I don't think I'll be uttered. 
<laughs> that would be an astounding accomplishment, to say the least. Yes, I mean, that's what I'm thinking right there. But no, seriously, it does it does work. And and I, for one, I've been through everything from surgeries to yeah, taking drugs all the time. Every single time you go out and play, and lengthy rehabs, and um, this certainly has worked. It's, it's been an awesome, an awesome for me way to get back into it without doing the stuff I'd done prior. Absolutely. Uh, if you can avoid the knife, yep. <laughs> that is the key, key aspect of getting older. Avoid the knife at all costs. <laughs> QC Kinetics right there with uh, me and Don Fisher enjoying it, uh, certainly to this point. All right, well, safe travels in that uh, 25, 26 minutes it takes to get to Bloomington and Monroe County Airport tomorrow when you get down there for that plane. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it, John. Thanks. We'll be uh, listening coming up on Sunday. Thanks, Don. You bet, bud. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. Thanks again for listening to Instant Replay because second helpings are always best when the main course is still fresh. Instant Replay on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.